This is my mom. She's a really good doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Lex, but I'm also mom to Isabella, Lance, and Lucia. Our mom takes care of our family, our friends, and her patients. On this podcast, our mom is going to be talking to her doctor friends and teaching you how to keep your family safe and healthy. Okay, mom. Ready for the show? Let's do it. Welcome to Family Health with Dr. Lex. I'm always impressed by people who not only have the skill set to develop healthy boundaries, but have the confidence to enforce those boundaries. That's why I was so excited to have this conversation with psychiatrist Dr. Marina Mamaliti. Dr. Mamaliti is Canadian practicing psychiatrist who not only offers therapy to her patients, but she also offers coaching around boundary setting. She's an author, she's an advocate for issues in psychiatry in her native Canada, and she's a mom of four. So I'm excited for you all to hear the great conversation that we had around boundary setting, and I'm excited to start putting into practice some of the suggestions that she made. I know there are a lot of you out there who need help with this, so ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my friend Dr. Marina Mamaliti to the show. I'm really, really excited to meet and introduce you all to my friend from the North, Dr. Marina Mamaliti, who is coming to us from Ontario, Canada. She is a psychiatrist and a coach and a mom, and she, like many of you, does it all. And we're here today to talk about boundaries. Dr. Marina, nice to meet you. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, nice to meet you too. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm looking forward to talking about boundaries tonight, especially for moms and professional women. Yeah. So, so you, I have so many questions. You are a coach for, um, high achieving women professionals, and you essentially have kind of come to this niche of, um, helping people, uh, set boundaries and in order to create kind of a life that, uh, works better for them kind of get away from constant, you know, constant people pleasing constant. Yes, yes, yes in an, in, um, an attempt to help everyone else. Meanwhile, we're suffering and struggling. So as a psychiatrist, um, how did you land in this kind of arena? How did you end up coaching women in this aspect of their lives? Well, actually as a psychiatrist, so, you know, when uh, in doing psychiatric training, you know, we do a lot more training in boundaries than an average physician, just because of, you know, like patients, especially when you do therapy, I do a ton of therapy. So boundaries for me is a small, actually portion of the skill set, right? As a psychiatrist, I have by doing um, therapy, but not everybody needs therapy, you know, and especially boundaries that might be in the context of workplace or boundary that uh, could be in the context of parenting, stuff like that. Some people need therapy, some people do not, right? That's where you kind of have to differentiate between is it an issue that is kind of a diagnosable, um, you know, condition that requires treatment, including therapy, because I do both. I do psychiatric care and therapy. Most psychiatrists are capable of doing therapy. It's just some choose not to, or some are not able to do to employment. Um, but as a coach, you know, I usually work with people who do not have a diagnosable mental health condition, and we just focus on, you know, kind of optimizing their function through uh, realizing boundaries and kind of figuring things out. So the way I like to kind of explain to people in terms of boundaries and coaching psychiatry, whatnot, it's kind of like this. Imagine if you came, you wanted to buy a house, right? And you're looking at your finances. And sometimes you have like debt and you have some struggles and you actually need to go to financial advisor to help you figure out how to get your finances in order before you could qualify to a mortgage. And sometimes your things are in order and you just go to a kind of mortgage 
advisor and you apply for your you know mortgage and to see what you qualify for so it's kind of like that you know some people have the finances in the state where they need a financial advisor before they even need to move on to the mortgage advisor because you know there's some difficulties they need to work on so that's therapy you know there's issues we have to work on uh, versus other people who things are kind of okay and they just proceed straight to the mortgage advisor to see what's possible. Well, that's kind of like coaching, right? Um, and so that's how I tell people kind of the difference. And so how do I come about doing boundaries? Well, again, a lot of my patients are professionals, professional women, especially physicians. But I also have, you know, a lot of people I work with who are lawyers, dentists, you know, teachers, nurses, te- you know, again, teachers teachers a lot too, without boundaries, they burn out too. Um, So it was very clear that, you know, boundaries is a big issue uh, for many people. And especially after I, you know, as a psychiatrist, after I treat their, you know, condition, and then we're working towards wellness, you know, that will be part of wellness building for them. But definitely for people who came in just for coaching, who want clarity or want to switch careers or are trying to take charge about careers or readjusting in their roles in life. You know, they might be going from one role to another, a career change, potentially becoming a parent or, you know, really wanting to have a different life than they have. Boundaries is often a key aspect of that. I think it's incredible that as a psychiatrist, you can kind of come at, you can kind of approach um, from a medical perspective and kind of identify whether or not there's any mental health conditions that need to be addressed first before you get to the point where you're talking about optimizing, because a lot of people have, I'm sure, undiagnosed or undiscovered or unexplored emotions that are contributing to problems that are affecting their life. And those need to be unearthed and addressed prior to even talking about optimizing their lives. Right. And so I guess talking about boundaries, right, I keep those two very separate. So if somebody's coming to see me as a psychiatrist and therapist, then we do all of that. If somebody's reaching out to me as a coach, you know, I'm very clear that I'm not acting in role of a psychiatrist, that we're only focusing, right? And if I, during intake session, I become more concerned that this is, you know, more representation of something else, I will, you know, keep up the boundary of what I'm able to offer and say, look, I think this is more than coaching. I need to go and see somebody else. I will not diagnose when I do intake for coaching. You know, I keep up my boundary between those two roles. But obviously, again, I am very clear of boundaries between the two positions that I occupy. Um, so again, I guess sometimes it's the opposite's being true. You know, sometimes it really helps to identify what is what, but also it makes it difficult for me sometimes because you know, sure. people come in and they're like, well, I think I just need boundary work. And I'm like, I, you know what, I think this is more than boundary work. This is outside of scope of coaching. You yeah. need to go back to your, you know, kind of therapist or whatnot. So and sometimes people get disappointed, but it's really me reinforcing the boundaries, what I think is appropriate for coaching and what is actually treatment. Cause those are two yeah. different things. Yeah. And I think co- the word coach has come up a lot lately. And there's a lot of people out there in our space, especially the women's health space who are offering coaching. And I think that people sometimes get confused between, you know, what is physical um, or, or mental health treatment from a physician versus coaching, which is more of education and support, um, you know, through you know life changes or through a health, um, you know, navigating a, a healthcare journey or a medical condition or something like that. They are definitely two separate roles. And, um, I think that sometimes people don't even know where to start, like when they need a coach or when they need to find someone to help them uh, learn the skills, you know, to deal with whatever, with whatever they're dealing with. Um, but, you know, we're both working moms. We both have kids. We're both physicians and, you know, high stress environments, high stress careers. And so when you use the word boundaries, 
I, I, I feel like most of the women that I speak to colleagues, friends, patients, you know, we're kind of conditioned to be people pleasers, to say yes mm-hmm. to everyone. We want everyone to, um, to think highly of us. We want to please everyone. We want to be able to accommodate everyone with what they need. And a lot of times it's at our own expense. It's at the expense of our mental or physical well-being, meaning maybe we don't, you know, get enough sleep because we overcommit or, you know, we're we're saying yes to things that are not serving us and are actually draining our resources or draining our energy um, or are not bringing us joy. So when we talk to to the women um, who are listening, how do you how do you define what are boundaries where should they exist and kind of how at what point in your life do you start to incorporate boundaries okay so this is an awesome question i love it so first of all i think you're pointing out a big thing is that unfortunately this is the whole gender bias piece as women right it is the moment that we enter a role as a woman, whether the role of a mother, the role of a friend, the role of a partner, wife, you know, physician, teacher, colleague, business owner, whoever, right? Unfortunately, the gender bias really precedes us in terms of what people see as a nice woman, right? A nice mother, a nice, a good mother, a good friend, right? And often for women, that means not having boundaries. That means, oh, you're so kind, you're so pleasant, you're always available, right? Think about the descriptions you hear. Oh, look at how kind this person is. They're always there for me. Means no boundaries, (laughs) you know, you're always available. Or, you know, they'll give the shirt off the back of their, you know, of their back or anything like that, right? So we really have to understand that that is part, unfortunately, of gender bias. And that the moment that a woman says no to anything, you know, it might be to a second offering your food at a restaurant or even the food that she chooses when she's out with friends and she says, no, thank you. I don't want pasta. You know, I'd like this. That no almost challenges of how people see a nice woman to be or Mm. a good woman to be or and you know again a woman saying no could be seen almost like as an assault to some people right and cause all this you know really kind of this reaction and so for women it's really difficult to say no because so much of our identity as a female has been on being pleasing and saying yes. And then the moment we say no, for something as small as the meal we order at the restaurant or suggestion that somebody gives us we don't want or parenting suggestions, right? Um, You know, right away, all of a sudden our identity changes from a good woman to difficult or what's wrong with you? Why would you say that? Why would you disappoint this, this person? Or you hurt them by saying that, right? Like that no becomes an assault on somebody, somebody's, you know, advice or somebody's expertise or somebody's whatever. And so just understanding of how inherently difficult and conflicting it is with the identity that society wants us to have, let alone if there's a hierarchy of some sort, you know, like in medicine, for example, right, there's so much hierarchy when we go from medical student to resident, and there's hierarchy in other organizations, right, that sometimes you're not in a position to say no, without having huge consequences to your no, like potentially losing your job, losing your friendship, right. right? Or being labeled as difficult, you know, uncaring, not a team player, or, you know, overly confident, you know, again, like being labeled as something defective of some sort, right? So right there is really a huge step to understand for women, why right? it's so hard for us. And part of the reason why it's so hard for us is because most of us did not grow up being able to say no. 
right? Our parents didn't allow us because they were also, you know, kind of doing that whole people pleasing. If we didn't want to say hello to a neighbor, if you didn't want to hug an uncle or whoever, right there, you know, there was something wrong with us. And we disappointed somebody and we disappointed our parents because, you know, our parents felt bad that we didn't go along with something said. Now, I'll give you an example. I was, you know, at the store with my kid. My kid was in a shopping cart and the cashier starts talking to my child and my child's not responding. And she says, oh, you know, you have a shy child. They're not talking. They don't want the sticker. And I said to them, why would they talk to you? You're a stranger. I tell my children, don't talk to strangers for safety training. You are a stranger to them. Why is your need to talk to them overrides their boundary and all the teaching I said of safety? Why, why are they going to talk to you? You're a stranger to them. Yeah. And it's not being rude. It's just yeah. they're following what I told them, right? And that's how basic yet how complicated boundaries are and what we expect of children, what we expect of women, and why a lot of us struggle with it because we weren't given that as children, right? And then we grow up into adults who every time we say no, everybody looks at us like something's wrong with us, right? So it's difficult for women, especially professional women. You know, if you're a lawyer, if you're a teacher, if you're a nurse, if you're a physician, it's, it's really hard. So there is that. When you talk about boundaries and understanding boundaries, I use this example of my cat and the dog. You know, I have a cat and a dog. And when they lay together, occasionally they do. You could clearly tell who is who. The fur is different, the fur texture, the color is different, their shape Uh is different, right? Mm -hmm. So you could tell the boundary where one ends and the other one begins. You could totally tell by looking, by touching, you know, you could tell. So boundaries is kind of that. Boundaries defines who we are. Boundaries is what tells you where I end and you begin. If me and you were sitting on the, you know, sofa together while doing this podcast, we would be able to tell where mm-hmm. your body ends and when my begins, right? Because there's a difference in shape. Even if you wear the same clothes, right? There's a difference between us. So boundaries help us differentiate one person from another. Boundaries helps us also have some predictability and expectations and rules of engagement with one particular person. You know, so another way I give an example of what boundaries are. Think about border between Canada and U.S., right? It gives you a clear boundary between where one country ends and another one begins. Uh-huh. So there's that boundary. Also, depending which side of the border you are, you're going to have to follow different rules driving. You know, when I cross into Michigan, I have to switch my car into miles per hour and look at the speed limits posted. When you cross into Handa, you have to do the kilometers per hour. So those are boundaries that go along with crossing the border, you know, and the boundaries of the speed limits. So that's what boundaries are. They define who we are versus who somebody else is. They define our needs, our abilities, our limitations. They also define almost like rules of engagement with people Mm -hmm. about what we'd like or we don't like or what the expectation is. Isn't it incredible that simply saying no and asserting that boundary, and as you describe, I mean, I've been thinking of this conversation in terms of women and, you know, specifically, you know, working professional women, but when you relate it to back to as early as childhood, you know, the expectations that adults have for children or the expectations that others, colleagues, friends, family members, employers have for us, it's incredible that something as simple as saying no can be an affront to other people that other people are offended by. And that is really on them because they have an expectation of how we're supposed to behave. They have an expectation of how a woman is supposed to respond or how a child is supposed to respond. And anything that doesn't really fit their expectation 
can be seen as offensive. And I think that that's kind of, it's kind of really, really incredible. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, these are the cultural norms that have developed over time that makes it now difficult for us when we do want to assert ourselves, when we do want to say, these are my boundaries, this is who I am. This is what you can expect. This is what I'm willing to do and not willing to do. And that makes me difficult. Right. Because do you see how our boundaries are meant almost like a fence that defines who we are? It's not a barbed wire that's meant to harm or punish somebody. Yet many people see our boundary as a barbed wire that's keeping them out or punishing them. And that's their perception of our boundaries. The other thing with our boundaries is that our boundaries inconvenience other people. But that's life. You know, life is about disappointment and convenience. Yet people are, you know, take that disappointment as a personal insult or personal rejection. You know, again, like I give people an example all the time. You're trying to buy a house. You make an offer and it's rejected because your Mm -hmm. offer doesn't meet what, you know, the seller wants. We don't usually take it personal and say, oh, well, you know, the seller hates me, Marina. You know, <laughs> we usually say, well, you know, of course the buyer wants, the seller wants the most money. They got 20 offers. Of course, they're going to go with the highest. Yeah. It sucks. You know, I'm disappointed. I'm annoyed. I have to go back to the drawing board. I put all yeah. this time. I don't take it personal. I don't go around thinking they rejected me. I lost. But when people tend to set boundaries, you know, this is a problem. Others see it as a personal rejection. How dare you reject me? You know, how dare you reject my advice or my offering you of pie yeah. or my offering you whatever, you know, it's kind of like if somebody comes, think about food, think about food and boundaries, especially for women. You come over to somebody's house, you're not hungry, or, you know, you just came over to hang out and talk and they bring you food. You say, oh, no, thank you. No, no, you have to have some food. No, mm-hmm. thank you. I'm not hungry. What? You don't like my cooking or, <laughs> or, you know, let me order something else. No means no. I just don't yeah. want to eat. <laughs> Right? Think about the food, the relationship with food we have and yeah. how people don't take no for an answer. I'm guilty of that. I have to say I'm Italian and f- food is my love language, you know, and it's funny because we're talking about us setting boundaries for ourselves, but you put it in perspective of us being conscious of other people's boundaries. You know, I certainly take it personally. If you come over and you're not going to have, you know, my macaroni because I made that with love and it's for you and I want you to enjoy it. And so it's interesting that kind of juxtaposition we're here saying, I want you to respect my boundaries. And yet we also have expectations of how others are going to behave in our presence, in our homes, uh, you know, how our children are going to fall in line with what we expect of them. So it's a really interesting uh, point that you bring up. Um, Uh, Food is a huge issue in many cultures. And, you know, my last name is Italian, so I live in an Italian family. But, you know, with the food thing, if you asked me if I wanted macaroni and I said, oh, I'd love some, that would be awesome. You know, but again, that's the alignment between the needs and boundaries, because, yeah. you know, what I want to give you may not be what you want. And that's not a rejection of the macaroni. It's just I'm not interested yeah. in macaroni. And, and that's the key. It's the alignment between the needs and boundaries. Yeah. It reminds me of the book, The Five Love Languages, which I, my husband and I read together and we've read the book about the love languages of children and how we all give and receive in relationships differently. You know, what we want and how we want to be loved uh, may be different than how we offer love. And if there's a disconnect between what we want and what we're receiving, it can cause tension and it can cause, you know, difficulty uh, in communication and expectations. It can cause frustration. It's, it's interesting that you bring that up in terms of food, because I hadn't thought of this conversation as 
what boundaries am I not respecting? To be honest, I'm thinking of this conversation as I am woman and I am going to set my boundaries and you're going to have to follow them like it or not. Again, sounds awful, sounds offensive, but that's how, kind of how I was approaching this conversation. And it really, you've, you've brought it to light that it really does go both ways that even though I'm a woman um, and even though I want my boundaries respected, that I have to do the same for others. So it's really interesting. And we all have different boundaries, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's, we're all different people. Look, my cat and dog are different animals, sure. <laughs> of different shapes. They're all different yeah. boundaries. So everybody has different boundaries. So, you know, we're raising our children. I, do you have daughters? Um, I have one daughter and three sons. Wow. I have four okay. kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two daughters and a son and a lot of people out there who are listening are also parents. And, you know, we kind of live in a day and age where we're kind of encouraging our children to assert their boundaries, Mm -hmm. assert what they're willing to do and not willing to do and asking other people to respect that. Meanwhile, as we were not raised like that, we were raised to be obedient and kind of you know, go with the flow and, and don't upset anybody. Don't cause any waves. And so my question to you about setting boundaries as an adult is, you know, if you're not a person who grew up empowered to announce or um, identify your boundaries, uh, to say no confidently, you know, how as an adult can you start to gain the confidence to say what you're willing to do or not willing to do, what you're willing to accept or not, behaviors that you're willing to tolerate or not, relationships that you're willing to participate in. You know, if you've not been raised with that confidence as an adult, it can be difficult, especially like you said, when you're in a position of um, where you're lower down in the hierarchy and you need to say no to someone who is asking something of you and they are your superior. So how do you gain the confidence to begin to assert your boundaries as an adult? Okay, I'm going to give you this. Some of us did not grow up with parents who had financial knowledge or financial skill. Does that mean we continue doing the same thing? Or do we go and we take a course, we learn, we educate ourselves, right? So it's the same thing with boundaries. Boundary setting is a skill. Being able to understand boundaries, being able to tolerate the cost of setting boundaries is a skill. Just like learning about finances. Nobody tells us, oh my God, I love learning about finances, you know, unless you're a finance major, right? Or like economics major. But most of us don't love learning about finances. I don't like learning about EFTs. I don't like learning about all this stuff. That's not my life. Do I have to? Not really. Would it benefit me? Yes, absolutely. Hmm. It takes time. It takes effort. I have to go take courses. I have to go look up, read, right? Like I have to invest myself in learning this. So here's the thing. You know, it's the same with cooking. It's the same with any other skill. We don't often have as much judgment attached, although finances, you know, have a lot of judgment. You know, people (laughs) feel very, you know, lots of shame and also emotions around the finances. At the same time, most of us are going to take some kind of course or some kind of, you know, read about finances so we can change our situation versus what our parents did or didn't do. Yeah. And we don't blame our parents because our parents did the best they could based on the circumstances they had to live. So with boundaries, it's the same thing. We're not going to blame our parents for not giving us what we didn't know and the, you know, the society we lived in. We need to learn how to set boundaries. How do we learn? And so we can teach our children how to, right? Sure. Because again, as a parent, there's lots of boundaries you have to set. You know, even with my own children, huge, we have to set boundaries with our own children, um, you know, about what's possible because we have to give them healthy disappointment. And healthy disappointment mm. comes from boundaries. Because, you know, life is full of disappointment. They're going to be disappointed in life. They need to get used to it. They need to problem solve. 
uh, disappointment is not abuse, especially when it's predictable. You know, disappointment means, you know, we're not able to do this now. We're not able to buy this toy now. We have to delay problems also. But going back to boundaries, you know, to know how to set a boundary, you truly have to get to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Again, back to the whole financial comparison. You know, to be able to buy a house, you need to know the state of your finances. You need to know your tuition debt. You need to know your debt. You need to know your credit score. You have to look at painful stuff. You know, you have to look at that. You can't go and apply. For, I mean, you can apply for a mortgage, but without looking at your finances, you're just, you know, setting yourself back. Um, but you have to look at your finances. So set boundaries. You have to look at yourself. And sometimes it might require therapy. And sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes, again, you know, people might be like, you know what? I know what I want. I know what's going on. Self-reflection. They're fine. And other people have to do therapy because they have to understand about childhood, you know, childhood experiences, potentially, you know, developmental trauma or like childhood abuse, emotional, physical, you know, even like sexual abuse that might impact somebody's self-esteem that could have happened from a peer that could have sure. happened from somebody else in a position of authority, you know, what not teacher, you know, things like that. So really to understand what prevents one from having boundaries. Right. And then, you know, that's kind of the first part. It's kind of truly understanding yourself. And then that's like understanding your finances. And then you will have to know what boundaries do you need? Again, that's like telling the real estate agent, I want a house. They're going to ask you, well, how many bedrooms? How many bathrooms? What yeah. area, right? Like they're the, you can't just show up to the real estate agent and say, I want a house. I got people <laughs> for 400000 I want a house. You have to be specific. You have to be specific, right? And you have to give priorities to what, you know, do you want particular area? Do you want number of bedrooms? Do you want, what do you want, right? Yeah. And these are the questions. So if we accept that as normal for buying a house, you know, we need to understand that when we're talking about setting boundaries, it's the same things. After we figure out who we are, we have to understand what boundaries we want. We also have to understand what is the priority of the boundaries, which which one, you know, to tackle first, which one can we delay for later. And again, as we're talking about boundaries, we also have to understand who's going to support us, who's going to be a barrier. Again, when you're buying a house, you kind of have to be on the same, you know, place with your your potential partner, spouse, or, you know, maybe family members um, about what area or what you're willing to spend, you know, you might yeah. think this way and your partner might be completely different and undermine your ability to spend. So it's the same thing. If you're going to be setting boundaries with somebody who in your life may need to be aware, they don't have to give you approval, but even to recognize that, are they going to be a supporter? They're going to be a barrier because yeah. if you're going to set boundaries at work and the cost of boundaries might be that you lose your job, you know, is your partner or whoever else in your life able to support you if you lose your job or are they going to not support you and you have to count yourself on your own finances to, you know, tolerate that, right? right? Or are they going to be a barrier to you because they're going to be continuously invalidating your boundaries and saying, you know, you shouldn't do this, right? Like, so we have to be realistic about that too. Um, and, and we always have to look at the cost of boundaries because everything has a cost, Right. There's a cost to not having boundaries and there's a cost to setting boundaries. Yeah. And you have to be in a place to afford those boundaries, meaning that we have to anticipate, you know, that we might lose a friendship or relationship if we say no. We might, you know, lose a job or we might have to leave a job because it might be unsustainable after we say no. Right. Because again, most people don't react well to when we set boundaries. Because when we say no, we somehow inconvenience them. And unfortunately, very few people at this point have emotional intelligence to understand that somebody inconveniencing you is not a rejection or a punishment to you. It's just their needs are coming first, right? Um, me saying, no, I can't do 6.30 for this podcast because something else came up is not a rejection of you. It's just expression of my needs, right? But many people will see it. Oh my God, you know, it's a rejection. 
So again, we have to look at the cost if we can afford it. And what's the cost of not setting a boundary? What's the cost of not setting boundary today versus you know a year from now or five years from now? Because yeah. we always forget that cost of not having a boundary. And that might be time. That might be missed out of opportunities in our life that we can't get back, especially with our children who are continuously growing. You know, we sure. can't get back when they're five again. We can't get yeah. back them being 10 again. That's just not going to happen. We can get another job. There's always jobs. I love that you um, make the analogy to finances because that's something that we, it's non-negotiable. You know, you have, in order to optimize your quality of life, we're not afraid to dig into our finances, our credit score, our spending habits, you know, our, our, our savings. Those are all things that we are willing to look at and investigate and optimize in order to improve our quality of life. And yet when it comes to um, learning and setting boundaries for ourselves, that's, that's almost like not as, not as easy. It's, it's, it's more difficult because a lot of self-exploration is involved. And like you said, I think you really do have to be comfortable getting to know who you are, what you want and what you're willing to do and not do. Um, I think it's really interesting that, you know, you, you made that analogy because um, those are, those are two components of life that are starkly different. And yet we're not afraid to approach one and sometimes digging into our personality or our evaluating our own needs is scary and difficult. How, so when you, when you are preparing to set boundaries, maybe for the first time, when you're preparing to tell someone that, you know, you're in a relationship with, whether it's a friend or a work colleague, and you're preparing to kind of assert that boundary, you know, like you said, you're going to need a little bit of confidence to accept that you might be rejected, that you might inconvenience that person or make that person, uh, person's life more difficult. But how do you prepare for the reaction of someone else? If it's your first time really, you know, asserting yourself and saying, hi, this is what I need. This is what I'm willing to do or not willing to do anymore. Um, and, and, you know, how, how can you prepare for that? How can you prepare for the reaction um, that someone else may have when you announce your needs? Well, and again, you know, obviously this is not based on any specific, you know, situation. I can't give any specific advice, but in general, um, you know, you kind of try to start practicing your skill in a setting where it's like low cost, low impact, and, you know, you're kind of more likely to succeed to see what it feels like it. Again, you know, when you're starting investing, you're not going to be like investing $50,000. You start, you know, you start slow, you start low, you see how it feels and you kind of go, right? It's the same thing with boundary, you know? So maybe you're figuring out in your life, you know, what is a boundary that has the least cost and the most supportive environment possibly. So again, potentially setting a boundary about dinner time um, with your friend. You know, if your friend asks you to go at 6.30 and you might say, you know, well, my friend, you know, is usually supportive. If I say, no, I can't do 6.30, it's late to me can we do five you know that's boundary right you're setting time boundary and you know it's small stakes for most people sure it's more likely that somebody you know that you might they might succeed or they might not like again you know the simplest boundary might be the most difficult one right right um so you, you kind of try to start with something small and slow in a supportive kind of relationship in the relationship that you think is supportive like friends you know things like that but it might not be right and remember we usually look and we predict other people's behavior based in our past interactions with these people. Yeah. But sometimes it might be completely unpredictable. You know, sometimes again, right. say no, somebody could turn around and say, you know, you're difficult. What's wrong with you? Or somebody might say, you know, that's a good point. Kind of like you did, right? Like when I pointed out about the food, you know, you turned it into a learning point versus, you know, thinking I'm criticizing you. 
Um, and so sometimes people are like, you know, I actually never thought about it. I could see your point why yeah. you're not available or whatnot. And it's a point of growth for both involved rather than a point of conflict and, you know, kind of, you know, relationship issue of any sorts. So that's kind of the general advice. But there could be usually predictable responses based on other people's, you know, previous behavior, pattern or behavior yeah. or an unpredictable behavior. And everything we do. If you look at it from how can we grow from this, it also kind of helps us build up the confidence because the reality is if you set the boundary and somebody reacts like you did and says, well, that's actually a good point. Both people grew, the relationship gets stronger, you move on, you know, it's collaborative. Yeah. If you set a boundary and somebody's like, I can't believe you asked me to move dinner to five o'clock, you know, you're so selfish. If that is what makes them think selfish is moving dinner time, Imagine if there's actual real issues in that relationship or real stressors come up. Is yeah. that a person that you want to call a friend, right? So that helps you grow in understanding this friendship or yeah. understanding who this person is. Because there's a difference between what, they're, what people tell us who they are to how they demonstrate who they are through their actions. Because, yeah. you know, I could say I'm athletic and I mean, you know, I do go for a walk <laughs> occasionally, but, uh, <laughs> you know, my walk is like down the street with the dog. Yeah. Until you ask me to start running marathon, well, that's a different story. <laughs> no, I think it's interesting that you you mentioned that. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking to myself, you know, that relationships could be at stake if you are going to start to assert yourself in mm-hmm. in a way that protects yourself you know, that people aren't used to. And so maybe being prepared for that is um is a good way to go into it. Although I feel like there's probably a way to communicate things to people in your life who are closest to you and that, you know, relationships that you're really um, concerned and invested in, in preserving, you know, of just saying kind of like, listen, my needs are changing. Uh, you know, I need to say no for these reasons. And, you know, I hope that you can support me in that, you know, there's, there's, there's gotta be a way to present your boundaries in a way that's, um, in a way that doesn't make it feel offensive. But it's not offensive. Remember, mm. the, the boundaries are not offensive. Yeah. If you're presenting boundaries versus, you know, kind of, you know, you're punishing somebody. But what it might reveal is an inherent conflict in the relationship that cannot be overcome. And here's the thing. Yeah. Everything has a conflict. Conflict is normal. Conflict is not bad. It's mm. the behavior uh, because yeah. of the conflict, that's a problem. It's how people manage conflict. Conflict yeah. is totally normal. It's absolutely normal, right? Um, look, you know, we could have had a conflict of interest if I had, you know, if my patient was running late and I wasn't able to walk in at 6.30 and it's not bad, it's not anything. It's because, you know, my patient's needs might've been outpaced what I had booked for him. So what happens is that imagine if you have a relationship based conditionally on your unlimited availability. So imagine that if you have, let's say at work, and they yeah. can't, people call you constantly because you're the one who's taking shifts or you're always the one who's answering the phone to help problem solve, right? Because you have the skill, you know, you have the skill and they really need your skills. So they constantly call you, they constantly call you, call them, right? So it becomes a relationship based on you not having a boundary because they'll call mm-hmm. you or they text you when you're away. Again, as yeah. physicians think about it, people call you, can you come in extra? Can you stay late, right? And then you say, okay, guys, unfortunately, I'm no longer available. I'm not answering the phone after five. Yeah. Well, now they're not going to call you, right? Because you're not available. So your boundary of five o'clock wasn't offensive, but your boundary was saying, I'm not available. And now they're not going to call you. So that relationship might dissipate, not because your boundary was centered. It's that your boundary does not meet their need and not because 
because you're bad or they're bad. It just shows you what the relationship was based on. You know, that's what happens with us sometimes when we say, oh, you know, I'm friends with somebody at work. But most of the time we get together around work events or complaining, venting about work, work issues or like helping <laughs> yeah. each other work. Then you move on to a different workplace and all of a sudden, you know, you don't have anything in common anymore. Or you might set a boundary about what you want to talk about. You might say, you know, I don't really want to hear about all the problems of the previous work. And then you realize, well, we don't really have anything in common to talk about because you realize that most of the time that you spent together, you thought it was friendship, was just venting about the issues of work. So that friendship might not go anywhere anymore because you actually realize that what kept the friendship going was venting and problems mm. in the workplace. Yeah. So the boundaries sometimes reveal what is the true glue for that relationship. And by relationship, I mean everything. I mean, you know, yeah. dating, I mean, friendship, I mean, work relationships, any relationship. Sure. Or they test the strength and the negotiation ability and problem solving ability and accommodation ability of a relationship. Oh, I love the way you put that. I really do. The, I mean, these are things that, you know, <sighs> These are things you read about and, you know, people write articles about, and there's you know, coaches and people out there kind of cheering you on saying, this is what you should do. And these are the ways you should approach your life in order to preserve your best interest. And yet it, I think it's really difficult to figure out how to approach that or, or what to expect if you're going to, you know, start to put up some boundaries in your life. I, a person, I, I would rather roll over and die than, you know, participate in conflict. I'm, you know, I would, it's very difficult for me <laughs> and, you know, I'd rather keep the peace and suffer or, you know, take on extra, um, whether that's emotional baggage or conversation or time or extra work, you know, I'd rather do that than, than have there be some sort of conflict. And that's only, to, to my detriment, it's not, that's not an advantage for me to say that I like to avoid conflict. And so um, and I think it's interesting how you, you know, talk about approaching it um, and how you talk about what those relationships in your life might reveal. And if you, going back to what you were saying originally, if you know who you are and you know what you want and what you're willing to do and not do, then you might just learn that some of these relationships or arrangements that you're a part of might not be suitable for your life or might may no longer be acceptable for you to participate in. Right. They may not belong at this point. You know, they might've been useful in the past and it's not, people are not bad. It's just at this point, they're no longer aligning, you know, your needs and this boundary and what the other person wants may not be lying. But also again, it goes back to how they define conflict. Conflict is normal. Think yeah. about pregnancy and birth. It's a conflict. It's a conflict between <laughs> mother's health and well-being. Sure. You know, pain and everything else we have to go through to have the baby and you know the well-being of the baby like think about it you know like our body goes through this change like every woman who has given birth has some kind of damage to their body and you know that's if there's tears if there's pain if there's any other issues c-section like our bodies are just not the same we're not saying it's bad but we have to be realistic that once you gave birth whichever way you did there is permanent change in your body Right? Sure. So there's a conflict of interest between what your body wants and needs to what the baby needed to grow and come out of you, right? The baby needed your body to expand and stretch your organs and everything else. And you were uncomfortable when it was happening. Like yeah. I remember being short of breath when I was pregnant and not being able <laughs> to talk in a full sentence, right? <laughs> At the same time, my baby obviously was expanding and needed the space that, you know, was occluding my lungs. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's 
normal conflict, right? So what do you do about it? Like, how do you manage? Think about again, as a parent, you know, you're sleep deprived, you want your sleep at the same time, you're going to be waking up and feeding that baby, or you might have to have a nanny or somebody to do that. But that's a conflict of interest and needs. What the baby needs to what you need is not lining up. But most of us are like, oh my God, you know, it's, we're kind of managing. And so that's what you have to understand that conflict is normal. What people Mm -hmm are usually intimidated by is other people's behavior around it and the blaming, the rejection, the attacks and all the other unhelpful strategies of mitigating conflict. Right. Mm, Such good stuff. I love it. When you talk about children, you make a great example. I, I look to the generation, like my children's generation. I don't know how old your kids are, but I have a 15, 12 and seven year old. And I'm always in awe of these younger kids and the confidence that they have and the way that they function in the world that they're handed. Basically, I feel like we as adults don't necessarily even handle the world around us as well as some of these young kids do. And so my next question to you is, as an adult who might be afraid or uncomfortable setting boundaries, what are some strategies to um, help our kids or be comfortable with our children setting boundaries for themselves? You know, how can we support them as they support, as they, as they set their boundaries, if we're not comfortable, Um, any, any strategies there because they're, they're confident. (laughs) No, but we have to do our work. We can't, because again, if we don't know, how to manage finances. We can't teach or answer our children's questions about finances, right? Yeah. So think about the conflict of interest between boundaries, right? So let's say, I give this example all the time, you know, um, the other day, a while back, you know, I wanted my daughter to wear this dress that I bought that I really liked, you know, I was like, oh, this is great, you know? And she's like, no, I don't want to wear this dress. A great example. Right? And that's her boundary. Like, she's not interested in the dress. She's not interested in this. And I have to manage my own disappointment and respect her autonomy that this is not what she wants. Obviously, within reason, right? Like, if it's minus 20 and she wants to go in a dress, like, no, because of the weather, you have to wear weather-appropriate clothes. But, you know, I have to manage my own disappointment to allow her to have boundaries, right? Or if my child says no, if my child wants time, I have to manage manage the conflict of me not having time or having to delay something else so I could talk to them or attend to their needs, right? And like respect their boundary. So it's huge, right? Like we do have to know how to manage our own stuff and manage our own reaction to boundaries. So we don't see our children's boundaries as a sign of rejection or like if our child doesn't want to hug us or give us a kiss or wear the dress. Like, can you imagine if I told my mother, I don't want to wear the dress that she's picked out for me? (laughs) Exactly. Right. Um, It's completely different, but um, it's that was their generation. So, and it goes to you know younger um, employees we have, or like you know when I have medical students, and my medical students like, well, I have to get off at this time to attend this meeting. Okay, well, it affects you know what I need to plan for the day or the teaching. At the same time, I'm like, great, they're able to tell me no, and they're not afraid. Like this is awesome, yeah. you know. And uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm I'm accommodating for the inconvenience of them having that particular window away from my clinic. At the same time. I'm proud that they're able to say no and attend to what they need to. Yeah. You, when you bring up the, you know, children kind of asserting their wants for how they appear in life, you know, whether it's a Mm -hmm. six-year-old wanting to wear a dress or not, or, you know, there are, there are larger issues at stake there, you know, with, with respect to identity and, um, you know, their confidence in how they 
they want to appear in the world, whether it's physically, you know, or how they want to behave, Mm -hmm. um, what they want to say and do. And you talking about dress is kind of like a a smaller example, or I would say less consequential example. Um, I'm thinking about how sometimes parents expect uh, children to not put up any boundaries around physical touch, you know, hug your grandfather, you know, give so-and-so a kiss or, you know, and we don't even ask them necessarily if that's something that they want to do. And if they say no, it's kind of like, they're made to feel bad about the fact that they don't want to be physically close to someone that whether they're not comfortable or they just don't want to, you know, so we're kind of like, we kind of like pressure them. And, and that's something that is our problem, not theirs. Like they're comfortable saying, I'd rather give you a handshake or a high five. And we're kind of worried about how that other adult is going to perceive the fact that your child is being difficult. And judging us as the parent, when, you know, what I tell my patients and like, you know, my parents say, look, if that child had a relationship with that adult that made them have that warm and fuzzy feelings that they want to hug, they would have hugged that. If that is an uncle that shows up once a year to Christmas or a grandfather who's cold and crusty or doesn't participate in their life and the child has no emotional need to give him a hug, we're forcing a relationship that doesn't exist, right? Yeah. And what we're dealing with is we're dealing with this reality that this adult does not want to face. Because if you're an uncle that shows up once a year at Christmas and you expect a hug, did you keep up the relationship for the entire year so that yeah. you could actually earn a hug? Or yeah. are you just expecting based on your role because you're an uncle, right? And that's what we're forgetting that, again, our behavior often conveys more about the relationship. So if a child doesn't want to hug, they're not comfortable or they don't have a relationship with that person. Yeah. Or well, they're just not in the mood. Or, or they're not in the mood. Like they're not comfortable, right? Yeah. Um, but again, we'd rather safe the face of the state of the relationship rather than face the reality. Yeah. And those are difficult things. Those are difficult emotions to face. Those are difficult conversations to have, you know, when you're in the room at at a a family holiday and there's, you know, something that people will talk about or people will notice, you know, there's always kind of, you're always afraid of having the spotlight being shown on you in a negative way. Um, So I I just think. um, Are you talking about Italian Christmas dinner? (laughs) (laughs) You better go macaroni. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think of my grandmother, you know, when she, when we would show up to her house because she lived a couple of hours away, you know, she wouldn't even say hello. She would say, did you eat? Are you hungry? And then if you mm-hmm. did not eat, you know, it was like the worst thing ever. It's funny. It, and, it, and it's all a reflection of us. And so yes. I love these conversations because we're talking about things that people don't talk about, that people want to be able to learn how to do that. Uh, maybe they don't have the confidence or the skill set or even the awareness that mm-hmm. it's possible. You know, there are women out there listening or who maybe click on this episode and think, you know, don't even under, haven't even considered the concept that setting boundaries is an option for them. And so I love having these conversations, especially with experts who can put it into language that's understandable and empowering. So I love, I really love the work that you're doing. And I so appreciate you being here. Can you just please tell my friends who are listening where they can find you if they want to get more information, learn from you, work with you on the internet um, or virtually? Absolutely. So I do have um, our Instagram. So I have my um, company Triumph um, through which I do the coaching and educational sessions as well. 
So Triumph Leader Coach is our Instagram handle for that. And I also do Dr. Mom Life in Canada, where I do a bit more parenting, a little bit more physician health topics, which are relevant to most professional women because there's a lot of similarities, but definitely a lot more kind of mom-focused, parenting-focused stuff will be on my second handle. And we are writing, you know, we're almost done the book. We're just doing editing about um, boundaries for physicians that cover all of that, including like, you know, boundaries with family, (laughs) boundaries with everything else. Um, So not just at work. Um, but again, you know, and down the road, we might do another one for professionals, uh, professional women. But, um, you know, again, it's a very complicated topic. And I think this is why it's not easily solved or easily, you know, yeah. done just like finances, you don't finish, you know, your financial stability in like in one hour, two hours. And if, you know, people promise you to fix everything in eight sessions, you know, again, like, can you fix your finances in eight sessions? Most of us cannot yeah. learn all about finance in eight sessions. So many layers, right? So I think it goes back to like the boundaries, right? Like making sure that people make informed decisions about who they get their information from and what's the background of people, you know, who are providing this information. Because unfortunately, our coaching is unregulated. There's no boundaries. You know, again, when people are licensed therapists, there's boundaries, you know, there's ethics and there's regulations that kind of create boundaries around what's offered. And same with physicians, but with coaching, you know, that's where it's a bit tough. So doing your due diligence and understanding what is actually appropriate for coaching or not, and what is the boundary for what the coach is focusing on or offering is really key. So that's my other kind of last pearl as we wrap up. Well, I always enjoy speaking with women physicians who I feel like I have a lot in common with outside of medicine, you know, working moms who are facing all the same challenges that I do, that I do. And, uh, I just really appreciate that if nothing else, this conversation just empowered our listeners to explore and evaluate and think and meditate on what you want for your life, how you want to exert control over your life and to understand that you can learn those skills, that there are people out there like you who are ready, willing, and able to help you discover your potential and your own power. And I really appreciate you just shedding light and sharing your expertise in this subject. I hope that we can get together again soon because I feel like there's so much more that we have to learn from you. Totally. Anytime. Let me know. I'd love to come back. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> so much. Lots of stuff to talk about. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Mamaliti. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to my podcast, Family Health with Dr. Lex. If you love the music like I do, you can find more at therealmichaelvm.com forward slash music. If you'd like to support the show, please leave a review, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can ask questions, suggest topics for future podcast interviews, and find more health and wellness information on my website, drlexlifestylemedicine.com. See you next time. Oh, no.